welcome to the Imago Day podcast, brought to you by Redefine Table, a collaboration for empowering women. We are your host, Mo and Jane. We are a different type of dialogue, an authentic talk collaboration. So join us at the table. We saved you a seat. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Imago Day. On today's podcast, we have our very special friend and guest speaker, Sofia Gonzalez. Sofia, why don't you share a bit about you and why we chose you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I feel chosen. Why are you chosen? I am the chosen one for today. Yes. Okay. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Sofia, and it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm super stoked and excited, bubbling with excitement over here. Um, I am a high school English teacher by day and a social activist by night. All right. Um, Founder of Project 214, a nonprofit that really champions for education uh, for kids uh, locally and internationally. Um, I'm really excited to continue the work, and I feel like it's only the beginning. Um, Recent... um, Recent, how shall I say it? Recent endeavors, recent endeavors recent victories. Yes. yes. So, recent teacher of the year. I'm still holding the title 2019 2020 hey. with National Society of High School Scholars. That was one of the hallmarks mm-hmm. of my life. Um, to be chosen out of thousands of teachers from across the country is something that I don't take lightly. And I really feel like it has created an opportunity, a platform for me to continue the message of justice mm-hmm. and equality for all as it relates to kids and their ability to go to school as a fundamental right and not a privilege. A child zip code should never determine their destiny. And mm-hmm. that is um, at the epicenter of my message. Um, recently, also super cool, uh, Monica is going to be taking a trip with me down to Springfield. Recently got awarded Ooh. Spirit of Education Award for um, creating a culture of civic dialogue and social reform and safety and risk taking in the classroom. My mind is blowing at all the opportunities that are afforded to me, but I truly believe that if you fight for the cause of the just, um, that doors will be opened and opportunities be afforded Mm. to you. So I'm excited to go to Springfield. That's March 16th. I have a keynote to um, put together and I'm excited to champion uh, for this for this cause. So tell us a bit about Project 214. Mm. Yes. So Project 214, um, it was born out of extreme amounts of pain uh, for how many of us know that um, out of pain can come purpose, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And out of great disappointment can come destiny. I started my career in teaching in the inner city of a gang-infested neighborhood of the city of Chicago. And um, I was confronted with a lot of disparities that my training, my graduate work just did not prepare me for. Um, my first couple of years of teaching, instead of graduating my students, I was burying them to gun and to gain violence. And it was there in my first funeral where I realized that I needed to become more than just a teacher. Mm-hmm. And upon leaving my first student funeral, where uh, my student had unfortunately died of gun violence, I ran into his mother, um, upon which I told her, I'm going to do something with my classroom um, in the name of your son. 
And up to this day, I have not broken my promise. My first room number was room 214. Mm. And so um, out of that first room number and that first year of teaching, it created this mindset, this shift, uh, because I saw so many disparities of kids that were on the margins. These kids either were dropped out or kicked out of the school system aging out at 21 years old and so they were coming in with more than just reading deficits but they were homeless they were in and out of jail um, single parents living a life of crime Um, and I realized that I needed to create some kind of message um, and to really advocate for them because they didn't have a voice and they were marginalized and disenfranchised and stereotyped and so project 214 was born out of that exposure right Mm -hmm. because in order to invade darkness you first have to be exposed to it Mm -hmm. so i was really exposed to these social injustices in our school system that were really plaguing kids that needed an advocate versus someone to uh continue to slap labels on them and stereotype them um and so i began to champion for them and sure enough uh many of them turned to the right path and at that time when project 214 was born Um, I was doing a lot of mission work uh, for the local church. Um, We were traveling to um, different parts, and um, I realized that I was um, easily able to bridge those two parts, Mm. um, championing for um, kids that are on the margins and yet taking it international because um, schools are everywhere. It's like a universal language, right? Teaching and learning is a universal language. And so I merged those two fronts. And so it became this international message to promote education, provide resources, and impact lives. And so we started uh, passing out backpacks and school supplies. We were arming teachers. We were arming students. And we were promoting the message Um, masked in this idea of social justice that every student matters and the world is a global classroom. Mm. Uh, My first question would be, so in this evolving world, um, do you think that there is a call to the body of Christ and the church specifically to respond to all these social injustices happening today? Like, as you mentioned, people not affording to go to school or getting kicked out of the school because they're of lower income and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I'm specifically excited to talk, engage into this dialogue about, you know, the role of the church mm-hmm. in, in, in this topic particularly, not just <clears throat> advocacy and missions as we're called to do as, you know, believers, but like tangible, hands-on, the role that we play us as believers, as the church as a whole, you know, should we have, or what should our response be, or what has the response look like in this current, um, I guess, age. age, yeah, an era, or, you know, the call of the church? Sure, absolutely. So in terms of the call of the church, and as it relates to social justice and social issues that our world faces, um, according to scripture, there are over 2,000 verses Uh, that point to caring for the poor, the forgotten, and the destitute. Uh, The problem is, in recent years, we have forgotten that essential truth. Mm -hmm. I think that um, as the universal truth, I think specifically here within the States, we have fallen to the temptation of creating a program versus becoming this global force. Um, And I think that that is um, something that really requires a return to 
and a revisitation. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote uh, a bit of a manuscript in terms of like my years of service and all of the research that I've done with um, social justice. Um, and I wrote this in my manuscript, not giving a title yet because I'm not sure what the title is, but I said in my writings, the spirit of and the forbearing concept of missions and social justice are not optional for the body of Christ. That's so good. Mm. And this idea of the church being the best solution to what the world is facing, I stand on that. And I think that that's where the urgency is. We come in the name of the name that is above all names. And if we put our resources together and really focus on what truly matters, we could really begin and continue to tackle these social issues that quite frankly are our social mm -hmm. responsibility. Okay, I like that. And when we say like it is our social responsibility as believers, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus, we talk about that, right? We talk about that a lot specifically. There's different parts of the body that do different things. And so we have found ourselves um, as Project 214ers, but also as <laughs> friends, really, really taking on that task or that role of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Whereas we all play this role and, and we, we kid and say some parts are the face, some parts are the colon, other parts, we're the hands and feet. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So do we, are we, are we in a time where it's frowned upon? Like, okay, so we just heard Francis Chan a couple weeks ago yes, we for did. my birthday. Woo! Yes, we did. We, we spent the day <clears throat> over at Moody or the evening at Moody and, and Francis Chan was talking about um, what do we live our lives for? What's and what is that? What's the point? What's the point? What's the point of our lives? And so I have been um, a for me specifically in, in the role that I play in, in my mark on the planet. I really feel is geared towards being the hands and feet of Jesus. But I also know that the, not everybody is called to that. Yeah. How do we respond when people say we're not called to that? Like I may not go. But I put some money on it. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, I'm game. Put, bring your money over this way. We will take it. How, you know, is that right? Is that wrong? If yeah. we're talking about scripture and if we're talking about the things that the heart of God lends itself towards, I think that's a better uh, route to travel in terms of what the role is for us as the church and for us as just one person, right? Yeah. It says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8, this is what the Lord loves, right? This okay. isn't what we love. Yes. It's not okay, this is not my personal preference, although it is, yes, right? Yes. It says in scripture from the prophet Isaiah's mouth, for I, the Lord, love justice. Okay. I repeat that. For I, the Lord, love justice, proceeding with the verse, and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Okay. Okay? So this is the heart of God. The idea of justice. So let's define justice, let's right? Do this. Yes. Justice, in my mind, is making a wrong a right. Okay. It is moral rightness. It is equity and it is fairness. And at the foundation, it is resistance. I once did um, a sermon on the entire book of Esther and one of my favorite lines that I felt the spirit give me was every revolution begins on the heels of resistance, mm -hmm. right? The church should be willing to resist against the injustices. And quite frankly, that's what the Acts church did. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So circling back to uh, scripture, um, 
at our first century church, that's what they were doing. If we look in the book of Acts, we see that they were caring for the poor. They were caring for the marginalized. No need was left unmet. Yeah. That's not an isolated ministry. That's a way of life. Okay. Ooh. That's a way of life. That's a way of life. This, okay. is, this is not a program, but this is a purpose. This is who we are. Yes. And how that manifests absolutely can be colored on the canvas of this world differently. Yes. But my central theme right the thesis statement of my life is to do justice and walk humbly before our god mm -hmm. and that 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 is not an option right. right that is not an option but unfortunately we have made it an option and other entities have to step in the place of the church Let's like nonprofits and different that. charities yeah um here's what i said here um our heart was to emulate the Acts Church in my scribblings, breaking down the non-essentials of religiosity and layered Christianity. If I can go there mm. for just a second. And Very this cool. is coming from a woman who has been in ministry for over 20 years, had so many hats within the church, I forgot them all. That is not the point. The point that I'm trying to make here is we are such an incredible force. Okay. When we as the body of Christ turn our eyes towards what scripture is mandating for us to care about. Mm -hmm. I'll quote another author in the book, The Colors of Hope, Becoming People of Mercy, Justice and Love. Author Richard Dahlstrom describes the consumerism versus artistry like this. I don't blame them, this generation, for leaving. After all, they've been taught that following Jesus means sitting and listening to someone talk. Mm -hmm. It means pouring over the minutia of a book as if it's a legal code to be memorized or debated. They've learned that the big issues of the church have to do with whether or not this brand of Christianity is more right than that brand, and whether emergent is better than neo-Calvinist, as if these labels are somehow important. Mm. And I really believe that as Jesus walked this earth, right, and I'm going to have to just pause and let you redirect this conversation because I could just go. Mm -hmm. But in conversation with scripture and in looking at examples, none other than the person of Jesus. Okay. He spent well over 90% of his ministry addressing the social issues and breaking down misconceived societal ills of that day. So much so that they killed him over it. Mm -hmm. And if we are to think about what is important to the Father, what is important and what is central to the New Testament story through the life of Jesus, it is going after the forgotten. It is looking for the disenfranchised because quite frankly, we are they. We are mm -hmm. they. Mother Teresa once said, I see Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. When we serve, we find Jesus mm -hmm. in that experience. Mm -hmm. And that is to be our focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I loved, first of all, everything you, that you just said. Yep. To ponder a bit more about the the person, the man, Jesus, whom Sophia, we all know she's a huge fan of, of our boy Jesus, as we all are, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, Jesus is her jam, legit. If we emulate the, the Jesus ministry here on earth, as you say, as it said it, it, in, in the scripture, he served over, how much of the percentage you said? Jeez, well over... This is my personal, through my personal research, right. I feel like well over 90%. He was really addressing. Yeah, he really was. And every little thing he did, I feel like it was a social issue he was addressing. Thank you. And every, and every little thing he did, it was a social issue in some way, shape, or form that he was addressing. And we, I mean, the topics are... Endless. Yes, they're vast. 
um, in the realm of education. Let's talk about a bit on how the passion for social justice extends even to the kids. Because see, that's another thing. We, we can get wrapped up on women's rights and, and rights for all kinds of things, the plethora of rights that we're fighting for now in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the time that we're living in now. But what about the rights of the children? Yes. So this idea of the rights of the children, I think um, another way of putting it is um, to be a voice to the voiceless. To be a voice mm. to the voiceless. Um, I think that Jesus really focused on giving a voice to the voiceless in that given context. Yes. Mm. AKA mm. women and children. Women and children. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously it was a male dominated culture. If you look at the context of scripture, I mean, scripture in and of itself is this incredible narrative. But if we miss the context by right. which scripture was written, then we miss a lot of its central themes mm -hmm. and its essential messages. And so in that particular Hebraic culture, um, it was very much a male-dominated uh, society. And as a result, women and children were often ostracized. And so Jesus spent a lot of his time as he went on field trips with the 12 disciples. And as he traveled, he went on field trips. <laughs> I believe that Jesus was the best teacher that ever lived. His pedagogies, his best practices, and his teaching strategies and methodologies I use. Um, and he was just incredible. The world was his classroom. That's and amazing. It was just an incredible thing to see as a teacher. Um, the, the rabbi, right? Mm -hmm. um, the just, ultimate rabbi. The ultimate rabbi um, teaching and learning and challenging his students to this um, groundbreaking concepts that he brought, right? Um, and so, you know, we see Jesus doing that constantly, where he's giving a voice to the voiceless, specifically women and children. And if we are to emulate the life of Jesus, then we need to do the same. Mm. Um, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 17, um, the prophet had such a great concept of social justice. He said, learn to do right, seek justice. And I want to emphasize on the word learn. Okay. Um, justice is something that must be learned. Yes. Ooh. Okay? Yes, it is. And obviously that was something that Jesus taught. Exactly. And so this is something that we need to learn and we need to seek. Okay. Right? And in doing so, we will bump into the heart of God mm -hmm. and the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't want to bump into the things that matter most to our Heavenly Father? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of my response to that. And quite frankly, okay. there's blessing in it. There really is. The Psalm says in Psalms 106 verse 3, one of my favorite justice verses, Blessed are those who maintain justice, mm -hmm. who constantly do what is right. And... The Lord blesses it. Obviously, he weighs the intentions of the heart. But I have never seen the favor, the mercy, and the grace, and the opportunity of God than when I was doing his justice work, specifically being a voice to the kids of this generation. It's incredible. I, 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 the words fall flat mm -hmm. at the experiences that I have gone through when I have championed for kids who would otherwise have no voice and and Jesus we find Jesus constantly doing that in scripture from the woman at the well to when um he was in the crowds and the children were coming mm -hmm. to him and even his disciples were like hey man get these kids back 
get them, you know, just move these kids away. Right, Jesus right, is trying right. to get to his message, trying to get to his location. And Jesus rebuked them saying, let the children come unto me for such That's is the kingdom of God. Childlike faith. They are the future. They are special. They are unique. They are mine. Mm -hmm. And they are often ostracized. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, Jamie, he inadvertently addressed social issues constantly. The woman at the well talking to a, a Samaritan, no less. Mm -hmm. That was frowned upon and, quite frankly, scandalous. And what is Samaritan? Uh, <laughs> she, well, that race is was considered a half-breed race, okay. okay, to the um, Jews. And um, they were enemies. enemies. Um, and so Jesus was talking to a societal enemy at that time. And in addition to that, a woman. And in addition to that, a woman who had many uh, friends, mm -hmm. um, special friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, I just love the, the scandalous nature of Jesus. And mm -hmm. I think that as the body of Christ, we should um, posture our works towards mm -hmm. and again that that can look different right I'm because just say that. Go ahead, because that. i'm a teacher so that's my jam social justice in the world of teaching learning education as a fundamental right yes right so my admonishment to the body of christ is find what you are supposed to resist against okay. and go do it mm -hmm. because Paul said, to each man is given a gift. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is mercy, then give mercy. If it is hospitality, be hospitable. We are responsible yes. to function in the giftings. But the centrality of that message, regardless of what it is, is love, mercy, compassion, mm. and justice. And, and justice. that is a non-negotiable. And I get fired up and unapologetic. If someone's talking to me, that's an isolated mission ministry. And that's just you because you're a teacher and that's mm. just your isolated. It is not an isolated situation or mantra. It is a biblical mandate that we are to be a voice to the voiceless, that we are to set free the oppressed and that we are to set the captives free and if you don't believe me go study the life of jesus get mad mm. with him Ooh, take it up take with it him. up with jesus <laughs> <laughs> i love that because that in itself that's the whole message that's the whole message Literally. we are we we are not all called to do the same thing but we are called to do something so find your something and do what you need to do to get your body moving to get your you know, the, we are all called in this planet to reconcile those back to Jesus. Yes. And if we are not doing something that shapes us back to reconciling those back to Christ, then we're falling short of what we're designed to be and do. Yes. Right? I mean, can I go to the extent to say, why are you calling yourself a Christian, Christ-like? Yes. If you're just being comfortable in those areas, Absolutely. like just saying, oh, this is for that person. This or comfortable in the in, in the four walls of your yes, squad. Exactly. Or your, and see and, and that's where I can I can really start having full blown conversation about that because you know we are all called to the same table. When we go to be with heaven and with Jesus, we are all gonna be sitting at the same table. Mm -hmm. And so if we're all sitting at the same table, I cannot I cannot withhold for just my own. No, this is just for me. This just no, we everyone when we open everyone has a seat. When we open our doors to you know, outside of just what we're comfortable with. Like, yes. We, we, weren't, we weren't called for the comfortable. Like, if, yes. if you think this life is about comfort, baby, let's rewind and have a conversation face-to-face -face because this is not for the comfortable, but it's all right. It's all right because we can find the comforter when we mm. need comforting yes. in a very uncomfortable situation. 
And, and, and can I just add to the fact that um, we have got to be about something. We have to. We cannot live lives of indifference. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, if you're not upset about something, then you're not paying attention. Say it again. If you're not upset about something, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. You are not paying attention. There are way too many social injustices that our world is facing right now. Pick one. Hello. For real. Pick one. Hello. If okay. you're a parent, if you're a parent... My word, I am a parent. There's a list. There's a list. I have high school, story. middle school, elementary. I got all. Which one you want? I have. I. I. We can go down the list. You know what I mean. So if we're not paying attention, there's injustices that are happening all around us, and we can't just focus on what's comfortable for us or what you know. This just you know. Sorry, I, I'm. I'm in. I'm in some. I'm in my feelings. So what Project Two Fourteen wants to do with the message, even starting like right now is first and foremost to create awareness mm-hmm. right to create awareness that this is still an ever pressing issue um, both locally and internationally um, there is such a thing as uh, period shaming um, and um, how that is such an incredible issue right so we have this tagline that says a period should end a sentence and not a girl's education mm-hmm. um, and we really want to champion for that but we first have to create awareness I'm not really sure Um, that so many um, people are aware um, that as we speak, um, there's 130 million girls out of school between ages 6 and 17 at an international level. Um, And some in different parts of the world, like Uganda, will never enter uh, the classroom. And it's interesting because nearly half of the world's population are women. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about societal ills like poverty and um, early marriage and human trafficking and all of these different social issues that our world faces, do we not know that the solution is hidden in the girl? Mm -hmm. Do we not know that that is one of the magic pills that we can take, that we can administer to heal some of society's ills? Because if you educate a girl, you can literally transform the world. Mm -hmm. A girl that is educated is five times more likely to booster the economic growth in her society, is more likely to live a healthier life, is more likely to pass on those healthy lifestyles to her children and their children's children. So we're literally talking about healing society ills across generations and so this is an ever-pressing issue Uh, according to the Malala Foundation the poorest girls in the poorest countries often receive just three years of education I have a problem with that and quite frankly so should all of us Hmm. shouldn't even think of them as like our own daughters like absolutely we kind of think of them at a distant level like oh they're in Africa or they're in uh, Europe or in South America, but mm-hmm. they could be our own daughter, like mm-hmm. the issues at our doorstep as well. Absolutely. And if I can quickly go into that, there is something called the pink tax, which is the tampon tax. And even within the United States, um, there is such a fight to remove the um, taxing off of feminine products. Wow. Um, and Unfortunately, not every school in the United States has a nurse's office that will provide sanitary napkins to the female students. Oh and I have personally experienced that where girls have come up to me and I have to have a stash in my room. I don't have anything, Miss G. Do you have something? Mm-hmm. And oh um, even here within the United States, uh, just 13 out of the 50 U.S. states have no tax on feminine hygiene products. Okay, so I mean, we're, we're even talking here within the United States. And that's 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 where it gets 
where it gets close, we get it, it hits closer to home, right? And that's what Jay was saying is that we think about, oh, that only happens over there, or that only happens over there. But it's as close as your own high school, neighborhood, neighborhood high school. Yes, ma'am. You know, it's as close as as your, you know. One of the things that we celebrate here, we celebrate womanhood. We celebrate the importance of it. We, yes, ce- we, we celebrate the transition from, well, you know, Latinos call from, you know, you're a senorita now, so you transition from a young lady, to I mean, from woman. a little lady to a young lady. And so really just taking off the shame with that. Like, so many women are raised in, in homes and in cultures where it is embarrassing and it's shameful and it's, you know, something that is so taboo, nobody talks about it, nobody this and nobody that, when actuality, it's something very amazing and beautiful and God-given to us right. that the, our temples, the way our women anatomy was created and designed by the creator himself to be able to bear children in and of itself is a miracle. We're, we're walking miracles. We create humans and we create humans because we have this thing called the menstrual and we're our, we are um, the tool, half the population, as Sophia mentioned, to be able to procreate so that we can, you know, really like taking off this taboo, like taking off this, this, what's the word I'm looking for? The the, stigma. The stigma, that's the word, on on our menstrual, on Mm -hmm. on us even celebrating um, the fact that we have these things and even just looking down on it and shaming it, you know? And so... At Redefine Table, we are actually partnering with Project 214, the nonprofit that we have, and really um, bringing awareness, like what Soph was saying, like one of the ways that we can combat this issue, this injustice, is to create awareness. How do we create awareness? Well, Well, naturally, our sphere around us, and as the message continues to spread, is by Talking about it, talking about what people aren't talking about, Make, you know, shedding light on what people are not shedding light on. And so, you know, for us at Redefine Table, we're committed, we're a movement committed to celebrating and championing and uh, promoting entrepreneurship and women empowerment. And how much more beautiful or perfect is it if we, by starting with the young girl, by starting yeah. with yeah. the little ones? And that's really like what Sophia was saying was life because she talked about how Jesus. You know, all these different things that we're targeting, it all comes with first being taught. So in order to teach, you have to first be taught. And so what we're committing to do and what we're partnering to do is to teach, is to really uh, shed awareness and bring, shed light on those topics that aren't typically talked about and why it's important. And so for Redefine Table... We can start as early as the young ones that we live in our home. Because it's one thing to have a power squad. It's one thing to have your girl squad and travel the world and do amazing things together. But if we're not teaching our youngins at home and we're not, you know, bringing close our neighbors or our students or the people that we go to school with or work with, you know, like truly it's, it becomes that one-sided, uh, what's it called when you, clickish, clickish. Mm-hmm. Let's break out the click and let's be inclusive. And let's talk about how it's important for all, you know, to hear this specific message. So, you know, plug in March 7th, we're having our redefined brunch where we are, we are championing and actually we're launching the Her Turn campaign. And so, yeah, hashtag Her Turn. Hashtag it. The whole goal and purpose and being a part of sitting at this table, your, 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 um, your contribution in is bringing a set of. 
I, I, the non-toxic, organic, you know, feminine healthiest products. feminine products. So that, yeah, so basically we're hosting a drive. We're hosting a drive for these feminine products so that we can help provide other schools in other countries who are lack, mm -hmm. they're lacking mm -hmm. um, these materials so they can go to school and have an education. So we can go on all kinds of levels with that. So, so did you want to add anything about that in particular and what we're talking about? Well, first off, I just want to say that um, I'm so grateful for Redefined Table because they are about the work. Um, I love when there are forces um, that are permeating our city streets and internationally that are about the work. So I'm super grateful and so excited to partner with Redefine in this launching and this moving of this particular idea, right? That to champion for the girl, you could literally change the world. Absolutely. We just recently gave a scholarship to a young lady that we ran into in Washington, D.C. when I was giving my teacher of the year uh, speech in that whole weekend in Washington um, just this past um, August, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was such a thing called Passion Projects. Uh, to make a long story short, um, National Society of High School Scholars brings young scholars from all over the world into one location uh, for what is called Scholars Day Weekend. And Passion Projects were part of the whole weekend event. Mm -hmm. And Passion Projects were um, from scholars that had what is called a Passion Project, where they were passionate about something that could literally transform the world. Mm -hmm. And they gave us their business proposals and their business plans. And my heart like broke open into like this cesspool of emotion because I'm like <clears throat> young activist in front of me, dead on the floor, somebody pick me up. Um, <laughs> ran into this beautiful young lady who had this business plan. It was very grassroots. Um, so she didn't get selected to win the scholarship. I was a judge. And, but it caught my eye, my heart, and my soul. Her business plan was to educate girls in Sierra Leone, Africa. And though she didn't get selected, uh, Project 214 selected her and chose her. And we recently just administered a scholarship that she could have won um, had her business plan been a little bit more substantial. Um, but that is our first seed mm -hmm. into the Her Turn mm. campaign. Um, we are going to be sending several school girls to school for one particular school year this upcoming school year mm -hmm. where we have provided enough for just a small handful of girls uh, to have their school uniforms to have their school supplies and feminine products um, that that they might need in order to be successful um, never not believe as Margaret Mead once said that a few that a small group of caring citizens can change the world for indeed that is all whoever has. So us at Project 214 and even Redefined Table, we are not overwhelmed by small impact in the beginning stages because mm. that's quite frankly where it begins. Yes. And every child matters. So even if we were to collaboratively change the life of just a few girls, our mission Wow. We could we could stop it right there, but we won't. Obviously, <laughs> mm -hmm. we're 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 trying to create a ripple effect, and we're really trying to create a national and international platform for this message. Absolutely. So at this brunch, basically, uh, we just want people to donate sanitary, feminine products, organic, mm -hmm. and then. Um, if we want, if you want, you can even donate money. At well, this like point. Monica so, says, you got to put some money, right? right? <laughs> you know, because sometimes, like she's saying, you may not be able to go, but we'll go in your stead. Yeah. But we're going to need your support to get. To so get this the work is done. March 7th. March 7th. Yes, it is. 
So how can we find you? Where, you know, what, what do you have? What can we look forward to and where can we find you? Sure. So you could definitely um, find me at um, our website, uh, www.project214.net. Um, I am on the gram at Miss G underscore project P214. And I'm also on the tweet deck, Twitter. Um, and underscore project 214 is also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, so you could find me there, but you could definitely find me out here um, champion. <laughs> championing for the cause of education for all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, having this conversation with us, yes. shedding some light on on some real uh, global, oh my gosh, mindsets, issues, uh, injustices. I mean, it can go on and on and on. And so we're thankful for your work and we're thankful for your friendship. And uh, yeah, let's do this, right? Let's, let's do this. Let's so go. would you close us out in prayer, uh, sure. Sophia? Sure. All right. God, we are just so grateful. Um, great God of Israel, we are just so incredibly grateful um, for an opportunity um, to be your light, to be your hope, to be the embodiment of justice in this world. So to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the God of every generation, to the God of our ancestors, we are just so humbled that you would continue to use us in spite of who we are and in light of who we will become. But in that, you have deposited in us a fury, a fire shut up in our bones that we cannot contain. And so I ask that you would continue to fan the flame. I pray that you would continue to break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that you would continue to help us to be the solution to the societal ills that this world faces. I pray that you would continue to awaken the body of Christ, that you would turn her face, Lord, to the things that matter most to you, and that we would strip away the non-essentials that do not matter, masked in religiosity, but according to your word, that we would be this beacon of hope, that we will be a city on a hill, that we will be a light that cannot be hidden. We are thankful that you are for us and not against us but we want a champion for your heartbeat we want to be the spokesperson that would represent your heart your justice your compassion your mercy so continue to teach us continue to embolder those concepts that should be resonating in our hearts we love you, we thank you, and we pray over all of the works of our hands. We pray, God, that you would continue to allow us to shatter statistics that people are hidden behind. They are not just a number, but they are a person. Help us to continue to value the sanctity of human life. And help us, lastly, dear Heavenly Father, to embody the person of Jesus. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would continue to represent his acts of justice. His breaking of these mindsets and societal frameworks that he came to abolish and to fulfill. And I just thank you that we have your scripture. That we have thousands of verses that would point to how we are to better humanity, one person at a time. We believe it, we are for it, and, and last but not least, if I could insert the girl, 
If I could just pray over every girl that is alive in this moment, in this era. God, that you would give us an opportunity to reach as many girls as we can, both in and out of the classroom. God, that we would be able to empower and encourage and motivate and ignite the girls in this generation. For we know full well that this generation of girls is a generation of change makers, of freedom fighters, agents of change that can literally transform the world if they are given an opportunity. One education at a time. We are about the work. We will put our money where our mouth is. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus. So help us, God. We thank you. And we are incredibly humbled to be your servants. Use us, Lord. And as the prophet said, here we are, Lord. Send us. I pray this in the name of the Father. I pray this in the name of the Son. And I pray this in in the name of the Holy Spirit. And God's girls say, Amen. Amen.